Hello and welcome back to Community Connection. I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. As we navigate the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the trickiest aspects has been handling the education of our children. After starting the school year 100% online, the Iowa City Community School District is now operating in hybrid mode. Hitter explained how that works and answered some common questions on the process as Interim Superintendent Matt Degner. Thanks for joining me, Matt. You bet. Good to speak with you, Mayor Teague. Yes. So lots been happening within the school district here in Iowa and specifically within our community. So within the past two weeks, um, you're you're into the hybrid model. And so I wanted to just talk about how exactly um, has it been working within the first couple of weeks? Sure. So thank you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you again. Um, our hybrid model, uh, it's been great. You know, the first thing I'd say, it's just been great to get kids back into the school building and have teachers uh, back in our buildings. Of course, we wanted to be very cautious on that and make sure we felt that it was a healthy and safe situation for all involved. And um, so with our hybrid model, we have uh, students on a rotating basis, either coming two days a week or three days a week, uh, depending on uh, their cohort. And they're divided into an A or a B cohort by last name, alphabetical last name. And uh, so the students receive those uh, two or three days of in-person instruction and then have asynchronous learning times um, on those other days that they're not in physical attendance at school. And so um, it's been an adjustment uh, for everyone, of course, uh, only having access to the students two or three days a week, but obviously it was, um, it's an improvement on having to have everybody in a fully online experience. And so um, I think that uh, staff has been um, great. Uh, they've worked super hard uh, to help get us to this point. And of course, uh, just want to say thank you to our families and students that have also been patient and trying to work with the ever-evolving nature of our um, COVID pandemic situation here uh, locally in Iowa City and how the school district's been responding to that. Will you lay out the changes that you all have made within the classroom during this time to ensure that the environment is safe for students? Sure, so there's a, there's a few different things uh, happening. Um, one would be, of course, our mask requirement and that um, all uh, staff and students uh, are required to wear a face mask unless there's some kind of a medical exception uh, for that reason. Uh, but of course, uh, as you go through town and uh, see people locally and you know even statewide or across the country, we know that's pretty routine. Uh, thing that we see now. And so for us in our district buildings, uh, that's a requirement that uh, all students and staff uh, have to be wearing those masks. Another one that you would see is a lot more social distancing uh, that we're uh, trying to provide in our school buildings. So whether that's at lunchtime in the cafeteria, lunchtime, sometimes in the classrooms, uh, the way the classrooms are configured, we removed a lot of extra furniture uh, over the summer to try to create as much space as available in those classrooms. And then even the position of the desks and, and the um, space between the desks uh, that you would see in our classrooms is different. And then, of course, just fewer students uh, in there. It kind of feels different. While it's good to have the kids and the teachers uh, back, it, it definitely does feel different because there's uh, vastly smaller numbers of students in our classrooms on a daily basis, uh, which, again, provides for that social distancing aspect. But we've looked at things like transitions um, between uh, trying to eliminate as many of those as we can. Um, traffic flow uh, within the buildings and walkways uh, for students and staff. And so a lot of the typical things I think you would see in, in community spaces uh, throughout the uh, larger uh, local community here, we're of course employing in our, in our school buildings as well. 
So you mentioned smaller classroom sizes, less students, and I'm assuming that that has a lot or something to do with the online learning options that parents have the option to opt in or opt out, but it would be 100% online for those that accepted the online option. Can you talk about a little bit about what the feedback has been with the online only option? Sure, you bet, uh, Bruce. Uh, we've had about 40% of our um, students and families elect into the online only option uh, through the first trimester. That's what we asked for the commitment to be is through trimester one, uh, that they would stay in that. And that of course was so we could align staffing and schedules appropriately and, and plan and prepare for that. Uh, so we had about 40% of our, our students that are in that online only option, uh, which greatly reduced, like you said, the numbers of students that would be in that hybrid model, uh, which allowed us to split about 60% of our student population into half on those hybrid days. And so that's why we felt good about making that transition uh, to the hybrid model because of some of the health and safety mitigation techniques we could employ uh, with that uh, amount of students and staff that would be on the building. Um, as far as the experience around the, the online learning program, of course, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say it's without challenges because uh, we know this is a different way to do school than we've typically done. Uh, and so connectivity, trying to get as many families connected that didn't have home internet service has been a large effort of ours even since the spring when we went to the original uh, quarantine time period uh, and then engaging students in that instruction and, and staff uh, trying to have the necessary professional development time and time to prepare engaging high level uh, lessons to connect with their students over zoom uh, when they do have those synchronous learning times and they're engaging with them and so um, you know I, I we listen to all feedback positive and negative uh, but i think we've hit a nice routine uh, with our online learning experience. And we have teachers and administrators in that program that have done a tremendous job uh, for us trying to make that experience as, as high level as it can. Uh, so very thankful for their efforts uh, in that regard. You mentioned that there are some struggles with some of the online learning. And of course, uh, the last time I spoke to you, internet was a part of a challenge for some individuals. Can you tell us about what some of the challenges are now um, with those online learning um, students, technology, um, they're using Zoom. If you can just talk a little bit about that, because I know the district want to ensure that there's no student left behind. Yeah, exactly. And that's really been our philosophy as we went through this is that we want everyone engaged uh, to the highest level uh, possible. We want high expectations for all. And so uh, we really um, went a long ways to obviously make sure every student in the district is provided a Chromebook. Uh, I think we have 99% uh, of our uh, requests uh, for, for internet filled. And so we've really um, worked really hard on the infrastructure end. And then now I think what uh, we continue to see is, is just the same efforts we would employ in a typical classroom uh, to keep kids connected, engaged with instruction. And so whether that's making sure they're on time for their uh, Zoom opportunities with their teachers or completing coursework, that all looks different uh, when you're only communicating in a virtual environment. And so uh, teachers and leaders, again, have, have looked for innovative ways to continue to communicate with their students and then with their parents if necessary and, and try to streamline that communication. I know um, secondary wise, if you have several teachers and you're seeing several messages from different teachers, uh, trying to give our students strategies to keep track of that and, and making sure our staff is doing that in a consistent and clear way. And then the same thing for the little ones. Um, our, our K-6 primary students, 
uh, trying to make sure that they can have a successful experience. But the ones that's not also dominated by screen time at home, even though we're doing a PK-12 um, online learning program, we also know screen time has to be a consideration. And so some people have asked us, well, why can't they just zoom into their classes all day and um, have that? Well, you know, we found out the best practice. And when we did research on this over the summer was that it is not good for our kids to sit in front of a screen and in front of a computer for seven to eight hours a day. And so we've tried to mix that um, with appropriate screen time interaction with their classmates and with the teacher, but also recognizing that some of that work needs to be done asynchronously and, and some independent practice and then coming back together for those group opportunities. And so, um, you know, I think that's part of the challenge is just keeping that, um, that flow moving and hitting a rhythm. And I think, you know, I think that's a, a big component of what we've uh, started to see happen here in the last two weeks is a rhythm has started to be hit with the online learning program. And for teachers and for students and families. Sure, and I know that for some of those individual students, it's probably a, across the gamut, their experience and type and the type of help that they need. I know my uh, nieces, I just talked to them this weekend, and they're doing the online learning option, and for them, uh, it's been a success. Uh, the gym is a little bit, uh, PE is a little bit weird for them because they have to you know, exercise in front of the computer, but. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's an adjustment, nevertheless. Um, one, uh, another question I have is related to the COVID-19 matrix, um, because you have students that are online as well as uh, some in the classroom. How did you all come about um, the numbers for the matrix, and what is it exactly? So our metrics and uh, matrix uh, we developed here locally in consultation with our local health department, Johnson County Public Health, and then really with uh, recommendations that you would see from the CDC. And so uh, part of our challenge was uh, some of the guidance that we received from the Department of Ed and, and the state of Iowa. Uh, for us, uh, some of those numbers uh, in the percentages uh, seemed high compared to what we had seen in other states. And so uh, locally, we wanted to have uh, a second set of numbers that we would also use to guide our decision making. And it seemed more reasonable when we did research from across the country and with some of our health partners here locally uh, that we would have some, some limits um, that would look a little bit different than the state. And so for us, uh, when we would consider a full on-site approach would be if we'd see uh, that sustained 14-day uh, positivity rate below a 5%. And we've talked about that the time we would consider a transition for that would be at the trimester. And so uh, for us to plan and prepare uh, to have the necessary staff and uh, again, adjust our health and safety efforts, we really felt like we needed to see that for a period of time. And then we could make that transition at the trimester. Um, in the five to 9% uh, positivity rate, uh, we're in the hybrid mode and that's the mode we're in right now. And so while our Johnson County numbers have been down closer to that 5%, we know that over the summer, uh, they also hovered in that uh, 5 to 9% range or even higher than that at times. And then, of course, uh, when they would get to above 10%, 10% or above, uh, then we'd be looking at uh, some more of the online approach uh, to instruction. And so we're thankful that our numbers have went down after that initial spike that we saw uh, in mid-August and that we've been in a, a range that we consider uh, more safe than obviously what that range was. But uh, it's really a tool that just helps us guide the conversation to know uh, if we would have a problem spot at a building or in the district about when we should be considering some type of a transition of learning models uh, to give us a guidepost as we work through the school year instead of just uh, going on a feeling or um, 
you know, maybe some, some sporadic numbers that come in. We want to see some consistency. And we also wanted to be transparent with the community about how those um, decisions would be made and, and when we would be looking to make those switches. And you have a, a, a COVID-19 dashboard that people can go to and look at both the county and the school numbers. Is that correct? Yeah, just from our district website, if you go to our COVID-19 tab on the webpage, you would find uh, our COVID-19 dashboard that includes kind of our percent positive for our student population um, and for our staff group. And that also includes our amount of quarantined individuals that are experiencing quarantine during this time. And then if we would have any buildings that would be closed or uh, groups that would be shut down due to a COVID concern. Uh, that data is also listed there along with the Johnson County positivity rate. So that's kind of a one-stop shop for people to get an accurate picture of what's going on in the county, um, at least from a high level view, and then a little bit further drilled down in the district in regards to students and staff. I think for parents, this would be a great resource for them to go and just look at what the numbers are uh, because you all have it there and it kind of give them an indication of what that could mean, at least uh, within our community at the, how, how, how much COVID uh, positivity rate is here. Well, I think that's a great point, Bruce. And it also lets us track a little bit about what's, what would change or what might not change with kids being in the school building. And so that's an important part for us too, with students and staff back in our schools to know, um, you know, we have a baseline that we've been working from, and then how does that change uh, with kids and adults interacting in our schools, or how does it not change? And so um, we, we think it's a great uh, tool as well, and, and one where uh, hopefully we can continue to provide and, and just share the best information we have uh, with, with the community. So I know that Governor Reynolds did announce that the state will be breaking with the CDC about um, some of those that are in close contact, when we're talking about contact tracing, um, in the past, you know, the CDC has kind of talked about um, quarantine and those that are close and that type of stuff. Can you talk a little bit about what the district is doing in relationship to those that come in close contact uh, with someone that tests positive for COVID? Yeah, we are not breaking with the CDC on that end. And so we uh, referred uh, the governor's new guidance to our health and safety team that's been with us since we started our return to learn planning. And as they looked at that, our, the recommendation that came out of that team that we took to the board, uh, the last uh, meeting in, on this topic uh, was to stay with our, our current uh, health and safety protocols around quarantining. And so our guidance still remain consistent with the CDCs about uh, when students would need to be, students or staff would need to be quarantined uh, due to a exposure event. And so uh, we feel like that keeps us the most um, healthy and safe as, as possible. And so uh, we're going to stay with those recommendations uh, for this time. I know it's, it's no easy task for you and the board uh, to be navigating all of this. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. And I also want to thank you for the transparency that you provided for us today and also throughout this ent entire process. I think it's very important for people to hear uh, some of the rationale and actually see the process uh, that you and the board have been going through. So thank you for that. And wanted to allow you any opportunity to give any final words to those that might be watching. Sure. Well, I just say thank you back and thanks for the kind comments. Um, we know it hasn't been easy and we know this is a especially big challenge for our families that uh, we've been coexisting in this environment, you know, for a significant period of time now, seven months uh, with dealing with COVID in our, in our local county. And so that starts to wear on people. I mean, it starts to wear on us emotionally. It starts to wear on us. Uh, physically, um, our interactions are different. And so 
Um, we know that all of those things are real and, and we know people have jobs that they're trying to get to and they're trying to balance doing school different. And um, I think just some recognition that none of us wants to be in this situation. Nobody asked to be in this situation, uh, but we're all doing the best we can to navigate it. And really our only, you know, our, our primary motivation in the district is try to keep our employees safe and our students safe. Um, and, and that is really what has drive, uh, driven our, our conversations and our decisions as we went throughout this. So we know we haven't made everybody happy and that uh, people have different takes on, on what the best uh, decision to make here is. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's trying to make the least bad decision a lot of times. And um, so we're playing the, the hand we're dealt and we're trying to do the best we can with it. But uh, we know this is a, a significant issue um, that isn't going away. It doesn't look like anytime soon. And so uh, we're thankful for everyone's patience and, and commitment to doing the best for our kids. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And wish you the rest of a gr awesome and amazing week. All right. Thank you. You thank guys you. too. Take yes, care. Take care. That's our show for today. If you're wondering what the city is doing in response to the pandemic, you can visit us at icgov.org slash coronavirus for details. We'll be back next week to discuss safety guidelines for the holidays with Johnson County Public Health. Make sure to tune in into that community connection. Until then, be safe, Iowa City.